0: This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment.
1: I am excited to um, share the stage with a group of esteemed colleagues that work in the nonprofit sector, and we're going to share some of the report we did this. I have worked exclusively in the nonprofit sector for the last 22 years, so I've spent my career here, and it's really fun to see um, this merging with my work in workforce development as well. Um, they, right now I have my dream job, which um, I feel like the, re- the research really reflects the trajectory that I took, as uh, executive director of a nonprofit, and we have 150 employees and are doing really exciting work. So this is fun to um, bring it all together. One of the unique things about the nonprofit sector is how important sense of satisfaction is for the workers in the nonprofit sector. But the work they're doing is critical to our community and critical to helping people in our community. So as we think about it right now, there's... uh, Nonprofit worker helping a homeless family find a place to sleep tonight. And there's someone holding the hand of a loved one that learned that someone they care about has a terminal illness. And there's a nonprofit worker right now clapping her hands because a four year old learned to tie his shoes today. So this is the sector that we're about to talk about. And this field um, is also has an important economic impact in our community. There's about 115,000 jobs in San Diego County in the nonprofit sector. And so what, what we get to think about now is how we can help fill those jobs and prepare the nonprofit workforce for the future. Um, and let's see here. First step, we're going to have Laura, Dr. Laura Dietrich, the Associate Director of the Castor Family Center for Nonprofit and Philanthropic Research at the University of San Diego. You can read her bio in the program, like everybody else's bio that's in there. And each of these speakers is going to do a quick four-minute lightning talk, and then we'll do some questions and have a little panel afterwards. All right, so welcome, Laura.
2: Good morning, thank you, Sally. So as Sally mentioned, um, San Diego's uh, nonprofit sector is A vibrant sector, a great place to pursue a career. The sector really represents 10% of private employment in San Diego 9% of total wages. Perhaps more importantly, this is a growing sector. Uh, The sector has experienced year-over-year job growth throughout the Great Recession, unlike any other sectors, and that growth is expected to continue for the foreseeable future, especially in the areas of health care, human services, and higher education. So job seekers may not approach you and say, hey, i want to work at a 501c3 right they don't think of the sector that way yet to be successful in the sector non, uh, in a sector nonprofit career these differences there's some differences that are uh, important to consider these include the purpose of nonprofits their structure the relationships we have with clients and the multiple layers of accountability that often require um, job seekers to possess unique skills that nonprofit employers value the sector is home to a variety of subsectors, however, major job classifications are similar across most nonprofits. Um, according to our research, top in demand jobs fall into these categories, uh, with not surprisingly, uh, and it will get mentioned more I think today, is that fundraising and development is the most in demand job category. While the focus of an employee's work will be shaped by the mission or purpose of the organization, the skill sets needed by job seekers are similar across subsectors. The top in demand jobs reported by employers um, to the industry report we worked on are best described as those elusive, soft skills <laughs> or essential skills that include communication, interpersonal skills, abilities to collaborate. Work in teams and a global mindset, which is, you know, increasingly important. I don't have to tell you as we uh, San Diego becomes more and more diverse. Additionally, nonprofits report needing employ, um, employees who can maximize their efficiency through efficiency and effectiveness through the use of technology. So as these quotes illustrate, the sector is evolving, changing rapidly like many other places of work, and nonprofits are looking for employees who embody creativity, value collaboration, and possess an ability to deal with ambiguity and complexity. So no challenge there in terms of training and development. Like other sectors, nonprofits are experiencing a fair amount of competition for top qualified candidates. Typical barriers reported to us um, for recruiting included inability to pay market wages and benefits. However, I'm here to tell you this is not the case at all nonprofits. So job seekers should know, just like in other industries, if you go to work at a small mom and pop, they're probably going to be less likely to be able to pay and provide benefits as compared to mid-size and larger organizations. Furthermore, nonprofits are subject to new minimum wage laws, which through compression will likely push wages up um, in all sector jobs in the future. So what I think is really most interesting is this bottom bar, which Peter alluded to earlier, is that there's this general lack of awareness about the good jobs that are available in the sector. So nonprofits are resourceful and offer other kinds of benefits to appeal to job seekers. They're creative in that way. Many leaders told us that they use things like flexible work schedules, opportunities to telecommute, the um, ever popular relaxed dress code, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the idea that you can take up a lot of responsibility is often um, viewed, uh, nonprofit leaders wear many hats, so some people see that as an opportunity to take up more responsibility than you might otherwise be able to in other organizations. That's one way of framing it. Um, and employees, um, one thing that, though that is true and was reported to us over and over again is that employees generally derive a great deal of gratitude um, and uh, find it very rewarding to see immediate impacts of their work. There are some workforce development challenges that this audience should be aware of. The skills gaps that were mentioned in the report are not so dissimilar from the in de- um, the top in-demand job skills that were listed um, And while it's relatively easy to transition to a nonprofit sector career, job seekers who come from other sectors really need to be trained about the nature of the work in a nonprofit or they may become frustrated with the higher levels of accountability to stakeholders and the shared decision-making models that are often present in nonprofits and those that come in with a Straight from a corporate career um, and expected to be um, ex, ex, you know, equivalent to the private sector um, may be disappointed and sometimes don't last long if they're not adaptable. Employers expressed a desire to recruit a more diverse workforce but said they were having difficulty doing so. In terms of training, job seekers should attain next generation job skills. These include basic computer skills, data analysis and analytics, job specific software training in areas like accounting, database management, social media marketing, and fundraising. These are all very desirable to employees. Job seekers and those that train them should know that you can have a long and rewarding career in this sector, but it is not a straight-up career um, ladder uh, that's typical in larger organizations. Most nonprofits are flat, so to move ahead, most people um, tend to move across organizations as they move up the career ladder. So, in conclusion... To build a future nonprofit workforce, we need better outreach and recruiting to more diverse audiences, and we need to promote the sector as a viable place to work. Clearly, we need to train more people to work in development and fundraising. And finally, nonprofit sector leaders must not hold back on professional development simply because they're afraid people may leave. Investing in the development of our employees is an investment in the future of our sector as a whole.
1: We've all heard that... um, You know, seeing that trend where business people will say, you know, we need to go into the nonprofit sector and help you learn how to run your organization. I always feel like we should flip it. We're nonprofit people that learn, you know, I've worked in organizations where we print board agendas like 3 to a page so we can cut them in half and um and keep our paper costs down. So, I think that the nonprofit sector has a lot to teach other sectors as well. So, thank you. I think this is great. I feel like this will be really helpful and, you know, keep thinking of those opportunities.
0: Rudy Johnson, President and CEO of the Neighborhood House Association, in my 13th year now uh, as the President and CEO, so I'm no babe in the woods, as they say. I'm not a rookie anymore, Peter. I came by way of the San Diego Convention Center. I was the general manager of the San Diego Convention Center. I built the first expansion. And so during Q&A, if you want to talk about a second expansion, I'll be more than happy to respond to those questions as well. As president and CEO of, the, of a nonprofit organization, which is the largest human services nonprofit organization in San Diego, the first question I get is, "How is that different than running a convention center?" And the answer is very simple: It's not. Just because we're a nonprofit doesn't mean we can't put on put on our for-profit hat and still run a social service operation. As a matter of fact, we have to. We're a $200 million a year impact in the local economy. We have 830 FTEs on our payroll. Every two weeks, we push out $1.4 million in the local economy. If that's not running a business, I'm not sure what is. Uh, Thank you. I didn't do that for an applause, but I just wanted to make a point. The final thing I want to say, you see that time stamp up there, 1914. I'm not just the president and CEO, I'm also a former client. In 1968, I went through this very same Head Start program that I'm now president and CEO of. I got here on accident. Public school, free and reduced lunch, historical black college, and I scraped my way back to become the president and CEO of an organization that was right in my backyard. We have a laser-focused, structured approach to bringing the four-year-olds that we're working with today back to work here in this community, preferably at the neighborhood house, 20 years from now <laughs> through a continuum of care model. <laughs> so our vision is uh, really simple. And it reflects the president and CEO. Healthy and educated communities where dreams actually become a reality. Sometimes I think we get caught up in doing the work and we don't focus on outcomes. We don't focus on actually transforming communities. And that's what we're all about at the Neighborhood House Association. Still running a business. Still running the business. A-133 audits bringing in consultants, having to deal with a 19-member Board of Directors, (laughs) audit committees, finance, regulatory oversight at the federal, state, and local levels constantly running an operation. So when you talk about talent and skill sets necessary, you really need to be in tune with what nonprofit organizations go through. Just a quick glimpse at our workforce, we need everything from culinary skills to teachers inside the classroom, to licensed therapists, to legal counsel, to CPAs inside of our organization. So if you're out there and you're looking for a job and a career, choose the Neighborhood House Association. We'd love to have you as part of our team. In terms of entry level, we have several entry level positions. Substitute teacher aides. We're looking for those uh, positions all the time. We have a constant turnover. And as folks go on vacation or they take leave for whatever reason, we need to backfill inside of our classrooms. That's about a $200,000 a year piece of business. So, we are a business. Custodians, prep cooks, nutrition service drivers. We deliver 1 million meals a year, 6,000 meals a day to the local community. We have 15 different route trucks. We have a fleet of vehicles and mechanics. So, there are a wide array of opportunities. Some of the misconceptions, you know, is if just because we're a nonprofit organization, I'm going out looking for average talent. Nothing can be further from the truth. I'm looking for the best and brightest talent that is available at the time that we make a selection. As a matter of fact, my job is the chief talent scout. I go out in the San Diego community, I'm looking for individuals who are looking for opportunities. But I do one more than that. I talked about that continuum of care model. We also run a youth services program in the summer where we hire about 35 youth to come to work inside of our organization. Guess what, they go back to school. In about their junior year, they're gonna be making a decision on where they wanna live and work. And guess who comes to visit them? The man in the mirror. I go out to Houston. I go out to, we're headed to D.C., we're going to go to Atlanta. We're going to bring back those youth that we've been nurturing through that continuum of care model, and I'm going to ask them to come back and go to work here in San Diego and do some good. We need to take advantage of that. And then finally, because diversity and inclusion is always talked about, I have a picture that reflects how diverse and inclusive we are at the Neighborhood House Association. Meet our senior team. A picture is worth a thousand words. We talk about being diverse and inclusive in the field, which we are, but we're also diverse and inclusive in our executive team room and in our board room. Look forward to the questions. Thank you.
3: I'm Laurie Kosky. I'm the CEO and President of United Way of San Diego. I've been a rabbi in this community for 32 years. So you see, I love this word cloud. This word cloud tells us why people choose to work in the not-for-profit sector. We want to make a difference. We want to follow our passion. We have a history of service that we grew up with in our community. We want to support our communities through justice or through a cause that means a lot to us for a whole variety of reasons. Sometimes we grew up and we were extremely blessed, and we want to be of blessing and service to others. Sometimes we grew up and we found that we needed blessings in our lives we didn't have, and we feel compelled to bring those services into the lives of others, or we feel grateful because we found them we will see that generosity really can make us happier. Generosity of spirit and in our lives is good for us. Recent neurological studies, particularly at the University of Zurich, showed that generosity changed the activity in people's brains in ways that increase our feelings of happiness. It's good every day to go to work and feel that the generosity of our spirit and our passions are driving us. And even when we are people who are doing that very hard work of fundraising. Fundraisers are relationship builders. Fundraisers work in philanthropy. Think about about what philanthropy means. Love of what? Humanity. Fundraisers need to love people. You can get a certificate, you can take a class, you can get a degree in fundraising, but all that knowledge needs to be used to fuel your passion and the mission of the organization that you choose to spend your time serving. So let's go to United Way for a minute. United Way in San Diego, for 97 years has disrupted cycles of poverty for children and families. Today our mission is to spark breakthrough community action that elevates every child and family toward a brighter future. To that end, we work to change the odds for children and families through education and family stability. Some of our benchmark issues are kindergarten readiness, third grade literacy, and college and career pathways. Our big, audacious, bold effort is to make population-level changes, systemic changes in closing the achievement gap for children and families. And we feel an urgency about that, that there is so much need in our county and that United Way is obligated to make those steps happen at population levels. That's critical for us. So today you want to know about our workforce as a not for profit. You can see who we are a little bit, or a lot of bit, and you will see that we are diversity challenged. Take a look. We're also testosterone challenged. <laughs> Take a look at that. Melanie Hitchcock, who's in this room, Melanie, where are you? worked with us at United Way, and in her doctoral dissertation, she learned that the people who go into not-for-profits are white women with masters. We have to change that. There has to be a pipeline issue that works with teaching people about how rewarding life can be in the not-for-profit sector. We at United Way are working aggressively, and I could say that in all capital letters, by adding diversity and cultural competency into our overall organization, our staffing and our outreach, including seeking candidates that speak multiple languages here in San Diego. And you'll see that our interns speak really interesting languages in the schools where they serve. If you go to one last slide, you're going to see about who applies for jobs at United Way of San Diego. A lot of people. Take a look. For every job, we have many, many applicants. And one of the reasons is that it's important to us to pay fair compensation, to be, enth- to be competitive in the San Diego market. We know we have to recruit and retain highly competent, committed, and passionate staff, particularly bringing people in at the entry level. Our starting professional salaries are between forty-one dollars and $44,000, and we're proud that that makes us competitive with entry-level jobs in the for-profit world. We at United Way are completely committed to benchmarking our salaries, and we use PayScale.com, if you haven't heard of it, that provides real-time salary survey information. We use this information to understand who our employees are and how we are compensating them so that they, too, can support their families so that we don't balance our budgets on the back of our employees as sometimes not-for-profits have to do. And we use this data to adjust salaries, determine raises, and even predict retention. So why work at a not-for-profit? Because you actually do feel like, experience, and have the opportunity to make a difference with the working hours at the place you spend the most time. Because you're able to support your family. And because you can do really good work in a satisfying career. Sally Cox, I know that today is polka dot day, and if everybody else wearing polka dots would like to stand up, we'd like to recognize that you got the very special person memo. But Sally... Can you tell us where you got your beginning? Happy United Way of San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo.
4: I could echo what Rudy said in terms of the, the impact of nonprofit organizations and the viewpoint that the only difference between for-profit and nonprofit is the tax code. All of us want to have great organizations where we have great people who are doing good work that they walk in every day and are excited about. Because with that kind of p- passion, we're able to do great things. And so, uh, you know... Having our partners up here at 211, we work with about 1,200 agencies in town who are doing this incredible work, and our goal is to get to know them as best as possible, get get to know what programs they're operating, what clients they're serving, so that we can almost act as like eHarmony, matching clients and social services together in the easiest way possible. That was a joke, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, not a good one, obviously. So I won't use that again. Uh, but I think you know one of the things that i was asked to do in 4 minutes which i have 3 minutes left now is talk about what educators and we saw there's over 50% of the room is filled with educators what educators can do to get their students into jobs or into pathways and i kind of flip that and I look at employers like all of us and say, what can we do to change the way that we operate businesses, the way that we structure organizational structure, the way that we do hiring, the way that we do onboarding and training so that we can, we can attract the individuals that are in schools right now? Because I have a 22-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old son and some nieces and nephews, and I look at the capability and the joy in their heart, and all we want to do is continue to fuel that. And my experience was graduating out of college and going and becoming a CPA. Can you believe that? That was my job. Why? Because I was good in math and my parents said, if you become an accountant, you'll always have a job, because that was the generation I, I lived in. My parents were always in and out of work. So they said, "You know, if you had that stable background, you wouldn't experience what we experienced. And so I did, even though my accounting professors in college said, John, you are going down the wrong path. They did. So I graduated, worked for a big six firm, and after three years, I realized that I was definitely a square peg in a round hole. And I thought that my whole life, everything that I had worked towards, the CPA and everything, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember meeting with some of my managers that were talking about management tracks and partner tracks. And I just got a panic attack in the middle of it and probably blurted out something I shouldn't have done. Phil Blair would probably have coached me on this, was I said, I don't want to be a partner, you guys are miserable. And the face of the managing partner at KPMG looked at me, and it became, a instead of a praise of how great my performance was, it was, how quickly can we get you out of here? And in a loving way, in a caring way, but they knew that I wasn't a part of that. And fortunately, I was able to land a job about a month later at the Jewish Community Foundation when it was just getting started in 94, uh, at the time that... Places like Qualcomm, stock was splitting every week. And it was an incredible opportunity that came out of something that maybe wasn't quite the path for me. And and what I would probably attribute it to is probably more unconventional in terms of, of my pathway was my passion as a kid was going to summer camp. From the time I was nine years old until I was 22. I'd go away, upstate New York, I was a camper and then I was a counselor. And then I was a waterfront director. And spending two months being in charge of a group of 20 kids for the entire summer, I learned a lot about leadership. I learned a lot about problem solving. I learned a lot about relationship building. And when I look back at the time of maybe why I like problem solving, why I like working, I always trace it back to that. And I know that there's a lot of internships out there. And we talk about D.C. internships and financial brokerage uh, internships. And I think it's great. I'm not knocking any of those. But my plug is, let's look for the ways that people get their fire lit. And so when you look at opportunities that maybe your students or individuals are looking to do, give them that shot. Because you don't know where it's going to lead. I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. But I will say that that's part of the joy that we get to do. So I think it's a community part. I probably went over my four minutes. There's lots um, that we can say about that, but it's, it's people like this, it's people like all of you who chose to spend the time here. So what I'd love to see is what kind of conversation can we have about actually looking at five kids tomorrow and saying what can we do for these individuals to get them on their pathway as well. So thank you.
1: Have time for one or two questions, depending on how long we take. So we wanted to. I wanted to start to ask the panel, what do you think that we can do as a workforce system, as educators, as um, people that are working directly with unemployed people, to help them get opportunities in the nonprofit sector? How can we work together better?
4: I know that all we keep talking about in the nonprofit community is a website that we have called NPWorks. And I think that's great. But I think we need to go where that generation is, and they're not even on Facebook. So we need to find out what communication channels they're in, mm-hmm. and how do we get the message that Rudy just said into, the, you know, into their heads so that they can see it as a possible opportunity. So I don't know how well we're communicating mm-hmm. direct, and not even through parties, to, to get to this generation of, of workforce.
0: I would echo everything that's just said. I would say a couple things. Number one, we need to understand what the nonprofits in San Diego County are actually doing, and what core competencies we actually need. And so I'll do a better job working with Peter and his team and our team, but I mean across the board. So that's number one, knowing who the players are in the county is the first step. Second step, we're losing our youngsters. I don't know if you know that or not, but we're losing them to other major cities. So we have to declare you know, almost a war on recapturing our youth that are leaving us here in San Diego, whether it's at the high school level, once they leave us and go to college in another city, and if they get exposed to something like in another city, they end up staying there, quite frankly. So we have to do a better job of going out and recruiting, as a team, those youngsters back to San Diego and bring that talent back to San Diego. So it'd be a two-stepper, in my opinion.
1: Mm I think one of the things we've been talking a lot about in education and in workforce is doing, kind of looking for, doing strengths inventories and understanding our students a little bit better. And I think, you know, one of those keys there is understanding how people who really want to have meaning to their work, which is not everybody, but people who feel passionate and and also want those leadership skills early this is a great sector for those types of students or clients that we work with
3: we also have to talk about what we do I was with a little girl her parents are of course African refugees and I said so Zoha what do you want to do when you grow up she says I want to be a writer I want to be a doctor I want to be the president she never said I want to work at United Way or she never said, I wanted to work at Mid City Can. And she's surrounded by people every day who are working with her, who she knows. And we're not inculcating in people that that to create a life of service to others is a really rewarding life. And so we need to talk about our children to our children about that. We need to talk about that in schools. We need to bring back our alumni. Oh no, I don't know, Sally, how many people in this room ever worked for a United Way? Like Ah, hi. A couple of different so people. we yeah. need to come together with our alumni and say you're ambassadors for our organizations. You are part of our network, so that we can tell people it's a it's a it's a very nurturing and rewarding life to take this
1: turn. My son, who's grown up going to peace marches and fundraisers and helping handing out things, he's eight years old. He wants to be a valet when he grows up. So I need him to talk to you a little bit, Laura. Um, I tried to talk to him about LMI, and he's like, I'll just live with you. No problem. Laura, Laura, you wanted to say something. In the
2: education space, I think we can um, do more and push it down lower, which is another way of raising awareness. So, you know, a lot of times when you say you work for a nonprofit, people say, that's nice. (laughs) <laughs> you must. That's nice. You must. Be, do you get paid for that? Okay. I'm sorry, but Peter, I think the San Diego Workforce Partnership is a um, uh, is a nonprofit, and I'm pretty sure all your staff get paid, right? So I think we have to build on this piece, like Lori and others intimated, which is to make these careers real, and um, and and get rid of the myth that the sector doesn't pay. Um, it's about picking the right organizations, and you can because this generation we all know really does want to work hard and do good yeah so this is yeah. the sector where a lot of that happens
1: great well that's a great way to wrap it up so I want to thank our panelists for coming today it was really great to work with you and I think we do need to work on those next steps of bringing it to life so thank you